So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read it all, and then I'm going to go back through, like, verse by verse, what I got out of it. So open your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. I'll wait, because it's not going to be up on the screen. All right. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons, through the hypocrisy of liars who consensuses are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Since it is sanctified by the word of the God, by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the word of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortion, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on, the, on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all who pay close attention to your life and your teachings. Preserve in these things, for in your doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So I have three major points in this. That's what I got out of this. We're going to go over the first one. In verse 1 through 5, I got like, don't let bad influences influence you to do wrong. Make sure you stay on the right path. Like in verse 1, it's basically saying that there will be people that don't listen to God and they'll worship fi- false idols and be more worried about earthly possessions than anything else. And it's basically telling you that you're going to run into those people no matter what you do. But you have to be ready and you have to train yourself to know what to do in those situations. In verse 2, it's basically saying that there are going to be a lot of hypocrites that say, yeah, I do these things, but they're, they, can't, they don't live the way that they speak. They can't back up what they say. Like, they tell you that they will do everything they can, but they don't do anything near that. And then in verse 3, it's a weird one. I got out of this that, like, it's the people following the old rules before Jesus was saved. It's basically the people that don't believe Jesus was like the Messiah and that they go back and follow the old rules still waiting on him to come. And then the fourth rule is basically saying everything in verse 3 is false. That basically the rules that these people follow is not right and that they do not need to be followed in any way, shape, or form because of what has happened and the way that we were saved. 
And then verse five is basically saying that it was sanctified by God. Like he made sure that it was okay for us to do these things. And the way it is, it'll be okay if you just follow what he has planned for you in everything that he has laid out for you to do. My second point is in verse six through 10. 10. And that is how to be a good servant of Jesus. I got out of these is like, it tells you how to follow Jesus and how to, I lost my train of thought, but how to basically follow him and how to do what he wants you to do and live a good Christian life. Like verse six, if you point out these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the word of the faith and the good teachings that you have followed. It's basically saying you have to point out when people are doing the wrong and you have to help them guide down the right path so they can also follow Jesus in the way that they are meant to and you need to help them if they need to. And by doing this, if you, you'll be nourished in truth and in faith. You will become a better person and a better follower if you just help others and be more worried about others than yourself. And in verse seven, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths, rather train yourself in godliness. It's basically saying, what I got out of it was, don't believe in half-truths. Make sure you're getting the full truth and believe in the full picture. Because spreading truth, it's not even saying like, just ignore it. It's saying you have to be nothing to do with them. You have to keep yourself away from half-truths and myths and everything that, in that area. Then eight. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it's hold promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Basically it's saying, it's like in wrestling. No matter how hard you try to lift, no matter how physical you get, eventually it'll all go away. You'll eventually grow old like my father and you'll just, it just won't work out. You just won't get there. But also going into match, it doesn't matter how physically trained you are. You have to be mentally prepared. If you are not mentally prepared, you have already lost that match. It's all in who is more mentally prepared going into it. It's the same way in this. It doesn't matter how big, strong, fast you are. You have to keep yourself spiritually clean and keep yourself ready to go. So that way, because your physical body and everything physical will end when you grow old, but your spiritual will stay with you even after you die. It will remain with you throughout this entire time. And then verse 9. Okay. Verse 9. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. It's basically saying that verse 8 is true and everything in it is correct and that it deserves to be accepted in what happens and everything going on. In verse 10, for this reason we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. It's just saying that we know that we are saved, and that we need to help get other people saved, and help them believe so that they can also be saved as well. Because there's no point if you just save yourself. You need to help others so that they can also be saved with you. And then the last one is basically, what I got out of verses 11 through 16 is, how to be a good teacher, how to instruct others and help them be saved. In verse 11, command and teach these things. It's basically saying everything that you were told to do in verse eight, 
like verse six through 10 is you need to teach these things. You need to help other people understand what these things mean to them and how you can help them understand it and help them be saved. And verse 12, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. It's basically saying what I got out of it was it doesn't matter how old, how young you are, how young you are in the faith, how long you've been in the faith, that you can help others in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's getting them to someone else that you know that'll help them more, or whether it's just the way you are and you can help them yourself. As long as you can set an example, no matter your age or the way your speech, as long as you can set an example for others, you're doing your part. It doesn't matter how old you're young, doesn't matter. It, you just got to set the example through the way you live so you can help other, pe- other people understand the way that they need to live to be saved. In verse 13, until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortion, and teaching. And then I paired this up with verse 14, which is do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying of hands by the council of elders. Basically, it's saying, we all don't have the same gift. We all can't do the same thing. Like, Trey can come up here and preach. Dory can sing. Or Jody's even up there running computer. We all have different gifts. We all have to help people in our own ways. We all can't stand up here and do this. Like, I'm terrified right now doing this. I'm surprised I'm up here. But we all can't stand up here and preach. We all can't stand up here and give a sermon. We all can't sing. We all can't. But we just need to help serve in whatever way we can, whether it's being a youth pastor, whether it's just seeing somebody on the street and helping them out, helping them be saved. Don't waste your gift. Use it so that way you can use it for God and be saved and help other people reach that goal that everybody wants. And then verse 15 and 16. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teachings. Preserve in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's basically saying in verse 14, use the gifts that you've been given. Don't waste them. So that way you can grow in the faith, but you can also help everybody else. So that way you're not just helping yourself, but so that way you can go out and help others be saved throughout all of that. And then the big thing I got from this verse is the difference between like people in verse 1 through 5 and then the difference in 6 through 15, or 6 through 16. Like, how the first people, they are against everything. They're worried about earthly possessions, how they're worried about, or how they're hypocritical, liars, and they say what they want, but they can't back it up with what they want to do. Like, verse 2, though the hypocritical of liars whose consensuses are seared. They're just not doing what's right. They're more worried about themselves than they are others and helping them be saved. But then if you look at verse, where'd it go? 12 through 14, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public readings, exhortion, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying of hands by the council of elders. You can see the difference in people that are worried about themselves, who are more worried about these earthly possessions than the people who are more worried about looking at others and helping them. So the question is, which one do you want to be?